Welcome to the IT Woodworker Podcast, where we discuss business and IT topics. I also include a woodworking project every once in a while, which is something that helps me keep my sanity in this fast-paced business we work in. If you enjoy the podcast, please like it, subscribe to it, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy. This stuff took like a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember there was a day that, that came and talking to Jim and being like, man, we got so much information. We don't know what we got. Yeah. And, and we literally laid out a map, an old school map, and just started marking things. That was Detective Jeff Wig discussing the mountain of information they had collected, along with the help of state and federal agencies, in an investigation of an armored car robbery in a small town in northern Illinois. Welcome to the next episode of the IT Woodworker. I am Chris Kusilis, your host, and I have uh, a couple of special guest stars with me today, Jim Stalin and Jeff Wig. I am calling this a bonus episode because thus far we've talked about different types of cybercrime and how to defend against it. Well, this episode we're taking a little bit of a different twist and we're going to talk about a physical crime. And as we get into it, you'll see that this is one that almost seems like it was written for a Hollywood movie. And through really great police investigation uh, and collaboration with local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies, incorporating uh, the use of IT resources and technology, uh, they solved it. So before we get into the actual you know, meat of the podcast here, Jeff and uh, mm-hmm. Jim, could you introduce yourselves? Give us a little bit of background on yourselves. Go ahead, Jimmy. Sure. Oh, man, I was just going to say that to you. <laughs> uh, uh, Jim Stalen, um, I did 11 years in law enforcement. Um, as far as specific to like technology and stuff like that, I kind of I've always been interested in technology and phones and computers and stuff like that and uh, the forensics of them. Uh, so one of the first agencies that I worked for, um, I had the the opportunity to work on a, a homicide case and um, before I was a detective and the, the sergeant there just knew that I liked phones and technology. So he had me come back for, for a while and uh, pour over all the electronic forensics in that case. And then fast forward to when I worked with Jeff, um, I worked as a detective for him for three years and my my focus was on uh, electronic forensics so excellent thanks jim thanks mm-hmm. well my name is jeff wig um i'm in my 22nd year of law enforcement um so i've kind of i moved up the chain now to a, an admin role but a few years ago i was a detective sergeant and jim was a guy that uh, i had picked to be in our unit we had interviewed him and I'm not a very techie person. I know some things, but what I have tried to do throughout my career is, Jim knows his quote, I try to be the guy that knows a guy. Because I don't, know, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know everything, but I want to know somebody who knows what I don't. And in this case, unbeknownst to me, I picked Jim to be in my investigations division because of the tech background, that's something we needed at the time to develop. And lo and behold, literally within less than a month, the case we're going to talk about happened. And Jim was the guy that I gave some sound advice to on that day, which Mm -hmm. we can get to that when the time is right. But 
Yeah. Well, this is so that's be- about it. This is going to be fun, exciting. Jeff, thanks for that introduction as well here. So I, I wanted to kind of frame this up. So we're talking about a small town in northern Illinois, about 70 miles west of Chicago. Now, yes, there's been some exciting things that have happened here in the past from a law enforcement perspective, but I'm not sure there's been anything quite on on, uh, on this magnitude as we start to get into it. And, and really, I mean, personally, I'm not in law enforcement, so uh, I see things like this, you know, in big cities is where I hear about it, or, or quite honestly, in, in Hollywood movies. So what it is, is it was an, an armored vehicle robbery. Now, maybe you guys want to elaborate on exactly what you call that a little bit more in depth. Um, but, but why don't you kind of pick up, Jeff, when we originally talked, you kind of said, hey, the call came in. And this, this is how it went down. So if you wouldn't you know, mind starting from there, if you think that's a good point to start. Sure. Um, I was in my office and I hear the radio go off that an armored car had just been robbed. And at the time, they had put out over the air uh, an amount of money. And it, I was like, wait, what? You know, I can't, that just happened. So I threw on my, on my uh, outer vest carrier and I got in my vehicle and I got on the radio and I, and I told the other guys in the division, we got to go. Let's go. It was only a few blocks away. And I pulled out of the, the police department lot. And I recalled like a week before, um, we can call it a BOLO, which be on the lookout, was issued by an agency in Western Illinois, in Whiteside County, saying that an armored car was going to get robbed out, outside of Chicago near a Dunkin' Donuts. And I didn't remember all the specifics, but I, I got on the air and I, I told dispatch, I'm like, look up that um, BOLO. Uh, and print it out for me because that was a starting point. Are because these, that, are, are these yeah. bolos something that happen, you know, quite often? I mean, are they, are you kind of overlook them because you see them so much? Or are they usually pretty dead on and specific? Well, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, it, it's like anything, it, you know, it, it, they vary. Some of them are, you know, we get them all the time. They're about suspect information or gang activity or training events, or in this case, you know, something like this. And I'll be honest, reading it when it came out i'm like okay yeah well yeah right that'll it literally that'll never happen here i mean right what are the odds and sure enough you know it it went down mm-hmm. um but yeah so that was a starting point and then we we arrive at the scene and we get there and it was very chaotic fluid i mean where do you where do you start with something like that how many guys or girls, and when I say guys on this, I mean everybody, you know, male and female. How many people get a case like this? And when you do, where do you start? Mm-hmm. How did how did it happen? How did it go down? Mm-hmm. And so that's really where we where we began. We get there, and there's three people that had worked the truck that day, and we started in with them. I don't know, Jim. Why don't you jump in? Yeah, it was super overwhelming and for me personally i was i was a detective for like a month you know so i hadn't even taken call yet like on call and this and, is the one uh, you get <laughs> this is the yeah. one i got well and i didn't know this at the time so you know jeff runs out of the office he gets us on the radio me and um, another detective john keecher jump in a car and we're searching for this vehicle right because it's supposed to have left the scene and we're searching all over and we finally get to the point where we're like well, I mean, it's gone, you know, so 
John and I drive over to the scene and meet with Jeff and um, he tells me that, hey man, this is this is going to be your case. And I'm just like, wow, I don't even know, like cool, but at the same time, like this is a lot for me, you know. And I think Jeff saw that on my face and uh, <laughs> he told me, I'm going to PG this a little bit because it wasn't yeah. exact, an exact quote, but um, he's like, Jim, you're either going to screw this up or you're not. Don't screw it up. <laughs> so, yeah sage advice you got, two ch- you got two choices and you can't pick one right right <laughs> right so so when you get so when you get to the scene i mean so you were looking for the vehicle here did did anybody witness it how did it happen and i mean was anyone hurt in it it just seems you know crazy that an armored car got no he, nobody was hurt broke I too. oh sorry Jeff. I didn't no I, I want to say something about this this car that had left the scene here's something we learned after the fact that vehicle drove right by all of us that left the police department. In fact, that vehicle drove in front of the police department. And this goes back to the BOLO um, with information. The the initial information put out on the vehicle wasn't accurate. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't accurate. So it went right by us and nobody knew because you know, information is key and critical to get out fast. And although it was put out very fast, it was inaccurate information. So, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Which lesson learned. But, yeah. you know, in, in hindsight, and we'll get into these guys a little bit down the road here, but in hindsight, even if we had stopped that car, and let's say it stopped, I think Jim would agree with me, there would have been a fight. There would have been oh, a yeah. big fight. Yeah. They, the people that came and what we knew about them and the crew they ran with, those guys came to work. Prepared. And, and, and by work, I mean they were armed, armed mm-hmm. to the teeth. So, you know, it, it happened the way that it did. And in the end, it, you know, worked for us. The best. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 So, so we're so we're back at the scene, and that kind of yeah. just begs the question: you, they didn't have when you get the call, and they obviously didn't have the right car. Or, you know, you guys weren't looking for the right car. Did did they see the people actually rob it? I mean, is there somebody in the vehicle when it gets robbed? How does that all work? A, a guy was changing out uh, money there at a gaming spot, and he came out to put a bag of money in the vehicle and saw somebody running from the armored car with a green like army duffel bag you know struggling to carry it because it was, it was so filled full of money <laughs> it was just filled up with money yeah and so how then aren't aren't the vehicles locked i mean how, do, how do yeah so they're armored vehicle? they are yeah they are we got there and there was uh so there's there was three people on truck was that right jeff normally yep, there's three. two but they had a third that day um and there's always supposed to be one person left on the truck so we interview the um uh the guys that were on the truck that day and they they didn't leave somebody on the truck um for personal reasons somebody had to use the bathroom mm-hmm. so and so, i think i think that's probably why that there wasn't there wasn't a, a fight because i'm sure that the the people that were doing this were prepared for there to be somebody on the truck and and there wasn't but you know, I, and I guess it's a blessing. Locked. I guess it it's a blessing, blessing that, oh, yeah. that he wasn't on yep. there because there could have been, you know, death and death. No doubt. And, and we were trying to figure out, well, did you leave the door open? Stuff like that. So we're, 
we're yeah, fanning I come out. hundred thousand dollars in the truck. I just yeah. leave the door. <laughs> well, well, I mean, when three people are there and all three are in the business and not supposed to be, I mean, now you don't know. Now yeah. everything's in play. Yeah. And, and actually, when we first met to discuss this, I forgot another detail about the video system inside the vehicle. Mm. Oh, I forgot about oh, that. Oh, this is, yeah, you can't make yeah. this stuff up. It even no. gets better. So yeah. it, it turns out we had people fanning out. We're, we're pulling video from adjacent businesses. It was evident the, these people had keys. So how did they get the keys? So then we wanted to review the video inside the truck to see what happened, if we could hear voices, anything like that. And guess what was missing? The SD card for the video machine was not in there. It, so it, did you determine, was it taken or was it never put in? Negligence. Yeah, just total there, negligence. There was an issue yeah. with it and it never got replaced is what to the best of our determination, that's what it was. Because in the end, the three people there were determined not to have been involved. They had so, nothing to do with it. No. Still went off this colossally bad. You know, yes. We, and, and I don't, I don't understand. You know, law enforcement. I understand as I talk about cyber crime. A lot of times, it's not that you know one thing goes wrong. It's that a multitude of things go wrong. And it sounds like in this case, somebody had a key which they shouldn't have had. Right. Somebody had to use the facility, so there was nobody in the truck, and there wasn't an SD card in there. I mean, that's so many pieces of the puzzle had to go that way for this to be a, become the perfect crime. And it it sounds like it was the perfect crime. Yeah, I mean, it's one domino falls and then the others start tumbling, and you know, sometimes it works to the advantage of the offenders. Sometimes it works to our advantage. On this particular day, initially. All those dominoes fell their way, not ours. <clears throat> so <clears throat> you determined that the three guys in there had absolutely nothing to do with it, but you had, you had to have a starting point. I mean, what at that point in time, I mean, what do you do? How do you start putting together suspects? Well, yeah, Jimmy, why don't you go into like the video trail and all that stuff? Yeah, so I mean, from our standpoint, when we, you know, because there was video of the truck in the parking lot of the gaming Place, right so we didn't have the video for inside the truck that was part of the armored vehicle um, but we could see the whole thing happen on on camera <clears throat> and you know this car pulls up two guys run out hop in the car and then and run back so we had an idea that, like they didn't force entry or anything like that um, we determined pretty quickly that they had to have a key so uh, where do you start right I mean they, they had a key then it's probably an internal theft right so yeah. we start our suspect pool uh, from within the uh, the company itself, and that was overwhelming because um, there was a lot of a lot of uh, solid suspects. And then we started like kind of working working back. Right, well, where did they go? Right. So we we did a, a massive massive video canvas, um, and we we were able to. And that what did that take, Jeff? That took like two weeks just to get all that video. I think. I mean, it took a yeah, long time. Yeah, we tapped uh, like we called in a, an IT unit from the state police they got some techie guys that deal with cameras and things like that so they threw us a couple people um you know by the time this had gone down in the afternoon we had the fbi there too so we were getting federal resources but between our guys and some neighboring agencies and the state police you know they all went out and did literally a, just a huge 
video canvas and you know i don't know how many usb thumb drives we went through oh man you know for businesses and it, it so when it you is, say when you say canvas they're not just taking their the stuff on the illinois state highways they're going to businesses mm, anybody yeah. who's got a camera facing the road they went out and yeah. this was illinois this was illinois state police working in collaboration with you guys yeah, yeah they helped was, us out yeah i mean we yeah. had we had to have had you know like 40 50 you know police or that's you know, incredible. FBI that's agents awesome. and stuff like that a lot, like just going to businesses and pulling video. And then it was hours of, you know, looking over video, just trying to find the needle the in the haystack, trying to find that car on the camera. And then through that, we could eliminate, all right, well, we don't need to go look at video out this direction because we know we went, they went this way. So we tracked them. What was it? All the way to West Chicago. Yeah. To a so, red light, red light yeah. camera in west chicago and then then it went cold did they blow yeah. the red light can i ask is that how you got them on the red light camera what i don't recall mm -hmm. them no i don't think so i don't recall them so they were being second. careful <laughs> yeah 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 on the way back i think yeah we were trying to figure out if they stopped somewhere because we we're you know we we're trying to link up the times too so we pull video check the time compared to the time we know they left town to see if maybe they had stopped somewhere and pulled over because the we knew the car didn't have plates on it mm -hmm. so we thought maybe they had put plates on it because god what are the odds that not only did they drive out here with no plates they made it all the way back with no yeah. plates and nobody pulled them over yeah right wow. yeah. and we know they came out here with no plates because eventually we got tollway bit footage mm -hmm. and there was no plates on the car and you know you couldn't tell because of what they had done in advance you could not tell who was driving or mm -hmm. anything like that mm -hmm. so this is they're pretty professional they knew obviously they knew what was oh going they on. yeah this wasn't <clears throat> spontaneous they, they had a plan they they mm -hmm. had a plan and yep they had well we'll talk talk about it. i mean they uh they surveilled this company's truck a week prior but we can get in that in a little bit. So yeah, Jim and several people, you know, they're doing the video canvas. We're putting it all together. We're trying to link it all together. We literally, you know, we were marrying technology. We had, um, you know, state police resources and some county resources where we were making uh, profiles of people and relationships with others. And then we're, we're plotting the businesses and we literally went to old school and did dry erase board, drew mm -hmm. a map, and we were plotting locations with times to see where they were at certain times to see. And it, to me, it looked like they were just following the speed limit. They were just calm and cool. Yeah, they weren't. They they weren't even. They weren't even trying to get out of town in a rapid fashion. They just they literally just drove out of town. Casually just drove out of town. Yeah. Wow. Drove out of town. And it, it was the first mayor go around. You get video. Yeah, you get video footage from a business or a gas station or, you know, a red light camera. It was, you know, or a tollway. It's this and this. It's all these little pieces. Mm -hmm. And you're just kind of putting it together. But the, the big mystery was is who are these people? Who's this car? Who owns mm -hmm. this yeah. car? Somebody's got to own this car. So while they're doing that, uh, me and a a guy from a neighboring agency, we went to the business, which was in downtown Chicago. And I interviewed the owners and the upper management there. Mm -hmm. And so from there, we try to determine, okay, are you missing keys? And how many sets are you missing? Mm -hmm. 
So we were able to determine that there was some keys missing. And those keys should be associated with these individuals. Maybe, probably, presuming they still had them. You now, know, do, does each key, does each key is that individual for a vehicle or is there just like a master key that can open all vehicles? <laughs> Not or just, this is another, this is another vehicle in the hole. They, they, they were all keyed the same. Every, wow. Yeah, which was, so it's another hurdle. Because now yeah. you're not just dealing with Illinois. Whoever drove that specific vehicle at a point in time, it's anybody who was ever yeah. employed in the lifetime of the company. Yeah, and it, like, like I said, it, now that just opened up at least two other states. Well, no, so. I got a question here because I got one of these keys that says, do not duplicate. They and I know when I brought it in, had it duplicate it. Yeah, okay, that was. <laughs> yeah, so they yeah. they got them duplicated. Okay, keep going. Well, I don't think they even duplicated well, it. It was an original. It was. Yeah, that is yeah, was actually that is true. That it yeah. did turn out to be an original. So really, we just we got those names, and so again, you know, a, a marrying of technology. You know, we had it electronic, but then really to make this stuff more visual and quick is. We owned a conference room and we just took it over and we just, we mapped these people out on a, on a big whiteboard. We printed out a whiteboard. Yep. Mm -hmm. We, we printed out who they were, who their associates were. And so we had uh, maybe three, three, four groups of people. Does yeah. that sound right, Jim? Yeah. And how they were related, where they worked when they work together, you know, just all the things you would think of, you know, just mm -hmm. really just anything under the sun of why they would even be a suspect, you know, was it because they had been on trucks where money went missing before, or there had been talk around the shop that, hey, X, Y, and Z said um, they would like Wait, to... Back up, back up a second, where money yeah. had went missing before. So this wasn't an, uh, just a, hey, wow, this is the first time this has ever happened. This was... Uh, well, to this scale, yes. Yeah. But money had gone okay, so it wasn't trucks in the past. Yeah, gotcha. it wasn't like, to my knowledge anyways, they didn't have any big, like, robberies or thefts of their, their vehicles that, I, that I'm aware of anyways. But they had yeah. some internal thefts that had but happened before. I guess with any big business, you're going to have, yeah. you know, yep. break and, and literally, when you go there, it, this is not even an exaggeration, there, there are just... There are pallets of cash. Mm -hmm. It's just there, or or pallets of bags of quarters. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like going to a grocery store, and instead of flour, it's it's dimes, nickels, hundred dollar bill. Yeah, yep. exactly. It's just like going to a store, but it's it's a cash store. Mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah, all this stuff is just piled up. So I'm sure the temptation it's got to hit a lot of people because you know they're not making a ton of money. They're doing okay, but. You know, look what you're looking at every day. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, like any good supervisor, had a pre-planned vacation. So I left to go to Florida. And now it's in Jim's hands. And Jim, don't screw this thing up, man. Yeah. I'm going to Florida. Nope. Do so, not screw this thing up on my vacation. <laughs> Jim, Jim follows up on the bolo. Yeah. So... This BOLO was... And again, the acronym BOLO stands for... Be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Gotcha. Okay. And, and we would get like, I mean, what, like 10 of these a day? And they're like 
region specific. So like when you when you uh, put out a, a bolo as a detective or an agency or whatever, um, you can kind of select um, like what region of agencies it goes out to. So, I mean, you get a whole bunch of stuff from Chicago and there's just there's always a bunch of it. And I personally didn't even remember seeing this one. It was one of our patrolmen that remembered this bolo and said something to us. And we're like, wow, this really this really fits. And it was a bolo that said that there was going to be an armored car robbery that happened on like, I don't remember the, the day exactly, but for like, example, like a Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday or Thursday, something like that. And it was going to be in the suburbs and it was going to be near a Dunkin' Donuts. And it's like, well, that's super vague. So I never even thought about it, but then it happened, you know, we had this thing happen. And, and, and there was like, a Dunkin' Donuts oh, two blocks away from yeah, yep. where this happened. So like everything kind of, all these vague things just kind of, kind of matched up with what we had so um while jeff's on vacation we're like all right well we got to go follow up on this so um we went out to a neighboring county which is where the bolo had come from and so i have, um, I have a question sorry to interrupt so i'm starting no, that's okay. I'm, I'm starting to understand this a little bit more and pardon me maybe i'm not very quick uh so what happens when a bolo is some potential criminal gets popped somewhere and they say, hey, I'll give you information, you know, for a reduced sentence. Is that kind of how Bolo Some, comes to play? Sometimes. So, so a lot of times it'll be like something like that or um, like maybe a friend or family member of somebody that's involved in a crime mm-hmm. knows about it. And then they talk to the They feel guilty then, or they talk. Yeah. Or they're like, well, this is messed up. You know, I should say something. Gotcha. So we followed up on that and. Um, the information ended up coming out of uh, well, the person who the information came from, not necessarily the person that talked to the police, um, ended up being locked up in Statesville prison. Oh. So we're like, all right, we're going to go talk to this guy. So me and another detective, Ryan Hooper, from, uh, from our office uh, went down there. And it was just kind of like, this has got to be a coincidence maybe or like you know we're going down there to talk to this guy who you know we did some research on before we went is clearly you know a hardened criminal like this mm-hmm. guy isn't gonna he's not gonna tell us anything you know so we went down to statesville prison with really no expectation of this if, if, if it was related that this guy was even gonna gonna talk to us you know mm-hmm. so we go down there and uh you know he's playing kind of you know like oh i don't know what you're talking about i've been in this this prison for so long my memory's terrible and you know all that nonsense and garbage and and uh, but if you can give know, me some milk duds and a diet uh, Pepsi. right right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then he's like well you know i had uh, i was friends with all these people on facebook who were involved in this whole thing so you know but i don't remember their names but if i had access to my facebook then you know i could i could maybe see right so i'm like okay i had a, a work phone at the time with a burner facebook account i'm like here uh-huh. you go here log into your account on my on my work phone so he does and he's scrolling through these profiles you know and he's not really saying anything you know he's liking different these... stuff from his friends hey, yeah, i'm gonna like, who's gotta check right, this out am i just letting this dude have like <laughs> yeah. some free time on facebook or is this gonna you know is this legitimate so we jot down the the names of the profiles this guy goes to and um Finally, we're like, because he, you know, he wants, he wants a deal or something, or he wants something, you know, like, because he was, he was in prison on unrelated charges. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, he wanted to get out of there and we're like, well, man, listen, we can't, we can't promise you anything, but you know, if you, if you give us some information that we can verify, we'll certainly talk to the, and at this point it was a, it was not a federal case. It was, we were working as a local case. Yeah. So we're like, well, we'll, we'll have, you know, our, our state's attorneys, you know, talk or whatever, and maybe they can work out a deal, you know, and for in exchange for some information. And that's generally how those things kind of work. They're kind of touchy, um, but you can't promise them anything. So we didn't do that. And like, and he's just giving us the runaround and I, I'm just getting frustrated at this point. I'm like, this is a waste of time. You know, this guy's not going to say anything. So I'm like, listen, you either tell us a name of somebody that I can verify or, and we're going to leave. And if I can verify this person's name, then, then maybe we can talk. So um, eventually he, he tells us that, you know, well, the person that set this whole thing up, he worked for, he worked for the company. Like, okay, well, you're not telling us anything that we don't already yeah. know. You know, we kind of figured that. <clears throat> and then he, he eventually tells us a name, right? So he gives us a name and it didn't sound familiar to me because uh, we were working, we were pretty early in the investigation at this point. So we were working these, these other groups of people within the company, right? But we still had a bunch of names on our board that we had to follow up on and look into, right? So I leave the, the prison and I called one of the other guys in the office. I'm like, hey, go look at the, um, the board of, of suspects and tell me if this name is on there. And sure enough, it was. And um, that, was, that was a huge, huge breakthrough right there. We say it's closed. Prosecute, you're yeah. done, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just as simple as that then or no? Yeah, some dude in jail said this guy was going to do this thing. So, yeah, let's <laughs> yeah. prosecute him. We had a lot, we had a long ways to go from there, but at least we, you know, we could, we could narrow our focus a little bit. Jim called me and I was in Disney with my family and he, he told me, well, we got a suspect and I'm like, God, please tell me that the person's on our list of names. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he was. I'm like, I, I felt relieved because, <laughs> yeah. you, you know, that told me, you know what, we're, we're, we're playing the game right. You know? So how yeah. far into the, is, I mean, we're talking months weeks years how far are you into this investigation on this when you at get this that break point, that, that was a week were... oh that was a week yeah because <laughs> I, I went to i went to disney the week after this happened oh yeah you're right i don't know for me wow. the timeline is skewed but but from there the case takes about another 18 months yeah he got his can... name and wow, that's incredible mm -hmm. though. Okay, well, maybe yeah. he's not the right guy. Let's let's keep listening. So I just keep getting ahead of myself. Yeah. So like, Jimmy went to work. Uh, I don't know how many subpoenas and search warrants you wrote. Um it was a lot. Yeah. Um lot. yeah, he went to work on oh, we got, we wrote some cell tower search warrants. Um, he wrote them for, well, you can get into it. He wrote them for various cell towers to dump them. And the, you know, the thought being is, okay, if they brought phones, if they're pinging, then if you do multiple, um, towers, cause we, by then we had known the route they had come out. We mm -hmm. had pretty much known the route they took back. So we took a random uh, we took three or four different cell towers between those two routes, figuring, okay, we do this, and if you get a number that shows up on all four of them towers, statistically, those are going to probably be 
our people. Mm-hmm. Well, that what was, are the odds? But that was that was a ways down the road that we did yeah. the, the tower dump. So the difference is, is like we'll get phone numbers, right? So we have our pool of suspects, and we started with with that and their Facebooks, right? So we have some numbers associated with some people that we are of interest to us. So we'd get search warrants for their phone records associated with a specific phone number. And most of that stuff, we came up with nothing. Like we couldn't find the phone pinging to a tower out this way, right? Because mm-hmm. all these guys are from Chicago, right? And we're, you know, decent ways away from Chicago. Not not many people that were in this group had come out to Chicago. Um, where was I going with this? So. So we had some numbers and we were checking those and we were coming up with nothing. So we were going to do some tower dumps. And what that is, is you take a specific tower um, and you you get a search warrant. Um, But with the tower dumps that require less, um, it's less of a personal intrusion. um, There's a cost to that, right? So it costs, like the, the carriers will charge law enforcement agencies thousands of dollars per tower to pull data because they have to send wow. somebody out or whatever, labor intensive, I don't know. Um, so we didn't go that route right away. Um, and that was where the resources of the federal government kind of came into play because for the little town that that Jeff and I worked for, you know, you know, for example, $10,000 to pull data, that's a lot of money for a, a little town, you know? Sure. But for the FBI, that's, that's nothing to them. They were like, yeah, we can handle that part of it, so. Mm-hmm. So we kind of started with that. We weren't coming up with, we had our, our list of people who we believed were involved based on the interview that, that we had and the, the Facebook profiles this guy was sending us. So we got search warrants for these people's, um, their Facebook profiles because there's always communication and data you can, you can mine from that. And then the cell phones that we thought were associated with them. Well, the problem is, is um, so many people use, um, I call them burner phones. They're like prepaid cell phones mm-hmm. where you can just go to Walmart or Target or wherever and you buy a cell phone, you put some minutes on it and it's not associated to a name, right? Um, but what people fail to realize is by using that, you're, you're always loosely associating your property with yourself when you're in the digital digital world, yeah. right? It's a little yep. harder for us as law enforcement to you know put those pieces together because we can't just subpoena the carrier and be like, hey, this phone number, who's, who's it registered to? Who's not registered to anybody? Um, they're leaving their digital on. footprint out there. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then the other thing too was, you know, these people, this car was, it sat in the parking lot of the gaming, um, uh, center for like two hours before, before the truck actually showed up. So we're like, well, I mean, they've got to, I mean, who sits in a car for two hours and doesn't look at their cell phone or take a phone call or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, which they, they they did mess up. Most of them didn't, but we did end up having one person um, mm-hmm. paying to a tower out here once we were finally able to get a number associated with that person that was good. The authorities are starting to piece together the puzzle here. The suspects are leaving a digital footprint through the license plate readers, cell phone data, Facebook, and closed circuit TV. Join us for the next episode of the IT Woodworker, where we find out exactly what happens in the armored car robbery. Thanks for tuning in.